podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone, Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Harry Sethi. The games continue to come thick and fast, but at present Jurgen Klopp finds himself blessed with practically the fittest squad he's had since arriving at the club. With players having returned from AFCON, injury layoffs and international duty for once relatively unscathed. And following the Reds' dominant 2-0 win over Leicester at Anfield last night, a game in which Luis Diaz made his impressive full debut, on today's pod we'll be looking ahead to Sunday's game against a beleaguered-looking Burnley side, battling to avoid relegation. And joining me on the show this time to lend us his insight into the Claret season to date, I'm delighted to welcome on Adam Dennett from the Burnley podcast, No Nay Never. Welcome, Adam. Hi, yeah. Nice to be on. No, good Good to speak with you. Uh, for those who listen to sort of our pods beforehand, when, when we've had, had a Burnley fan on, we've often spoken to Natalie from No Nay Never. And so it's great to, to hear your opinion as well, Adam, from, from the No Nay Never podcast. I know that... Um, yeah, it's it's always good to hear uh, the opinion of Burnley fans around their team because I think there's so much written about Burnley um, from a neutral's perspective that often doesn't do justice, to be honest to you, I think, or the work that Dyke has put in um, and so often pulls off miraculous escapes and things like that. And, and we'll get on to talk about how tough this season has been at parts so far, obviously. Um, but I just wanted to ask you right at the start of the season what your expectations were for the team um, and how they were going to um, how they were going to do this season. I remember when I spoke to Natalie, uh, a lot hinged upon what investment was going to go into the transfer window for her. Uh, yeah, so um, I think at the start of every season, as a as a Burnley fan, you you probably expecting to be in and around the um, the bottom six. There's I don't think we get ahead of ourselves. Mm. Uh, we know we've um, we've overachieved over a, over a sustained period, especially given the uh, the previous investment. Yeah. Um, so I, I go into every season, um, say positive and believing we can keep doing what we've been doing, um, but knowing that it's always going to be a challenge and it's getting tougher and tougher. Uh, it's nature of the Premier League. You, if you stand still, you go backwards. Um, and I think we've probably done too much of that in the last, especially um, three, probably three seasons. Um, obviously, the new owners came in uh, in the middle of the last season. And I think if you look at last summer's um, transfer window in isolation, uh, it's probably the best we've had for a while. Uh, brought in uh, Connor Roberts and Nathan Collins, who younger players who are going to improve us eventually. And uh, I'm sure they'll be first team regulars at, at some point down the line. And Roberts has actually come in the last couple of games. And then Corney, um, apart course, from yeah. Stephen DeFore, um, is probably the most uh, exciting signing we've had. Um, well, definitely since I've I've been supporting Burnley, 
Um, and obviously without him, I don't know where we'd be this season because he's been a, a shining light in an otherwise uh, really, really tough tough season so far. Hmm. Um, so I, don't, I think last summer, happy with, I think we're just paying the price now for um, the last two or three seasons of underinvestment. Yeah, and I remember we spoke obviously around the new owners coming in and um, saying all the right things and talking about how they, they were going to invest properly in Burnley and having a philosophy around it. And actually, I think you're, you're right. You look at those young players who came in, in in the previous window and it does point to a change in strategy, right? Trying to rebuild this side and think about the future because um, obviously there are a whole bunch of issues around contract renewals for a couple of players as well. Um, and I think behind closed doors football certainly didn't help plenty of sides in the league. I thought it was pretty terrible for for any team to sort of have to deal with but I, I really did feel, it feel, um, feel like it affected teams who were in and around sort of that relegation zone battle or in the lower, in the lower half of the league and we're going to have to you know, rely so often on those great atmospheres to sort of rouse the team to some of those performances um, so yeah understandably it's been a it's been a hard period um, and I, I definitely want to come and talk about a couple of those players Max Ocone being the obvious one in, in a second um, but the other thing I want to to touch on was then you, you mentioned, of course, this season being incredibly difficult so far, currently sitting bottom of the league, um, despite some of those recent um, draws um, and um, just the one win all season against against Brentford. Um, and I, I think actually, I, I don't think me and Natalie said this, but I'm not sure if, if she's a succession f- uh, fan, but I know she was talking to me about um how it can often be a bit of a knife fight in the mud when it comes to this part of the season, just trying to scrape any any sort of points you can. Um, I just wanted your opinion. I mean, you already talked there about the lack of investment in previous windows and that coming back to bite you. Um, but do you think that's the the main reason why it has been so, such a struggle this season um, in, in terms of sort of maybe finding it hard to create chances and, and score goals? Yeah, I think we've um, we've always... We've always been like re- renowned for being tough, tougher to beat, and having a, a strong core and good organisation, right, yeah. um, and then nicking the odd goal. And we were we were always very good up until um, like the same, well, probably last season, and especially the second half of last season, at really coming out on the right side of those fine margins in the big games against against teams outside the top six. Our hmm. home record um, before entering twenty twenty. Um, sorry, entering 2021, I think we averaged more than two points a game uh, against teams outside the top six coming to Turf Moor, which were the basis of our success. And since since the start of um, of 2021, we only won two home games in the whole of 2021. Uh, and I think actually, I know you talk about the crowd, and that has been a big factor in the past, but I think it maybe helped us perform better on the road than we have done previously. Interesting. Won at Anfield for the first time uh, in well, definitely since I've been born and probably 40, <laughs> 50 years. Uh, we won at Arsenal for the first time in a long time. We um, we did we did really well away from home last season compared to how we'd normally do. And obviously the crowds have come back in, and we're not falling on the side the side of the fine margins. We've not had much go for us in terms of big moments, but we've not we've not been creative. We've we've been poor to be honest, creative creative wise and. Mm. Our problem, I think the fans recognise, especially is in the centre of the park, we often get overrun. And that's an area, even since the new owners have come in, that we haven't improved. We've got four centre midfielders in Brownhill, Westwood, Cork and Stevens, who are all 
similar levels and not not gonna they're all well very, very similar players we've changed it up so many times which is quite not unlike Dyche to be honest um he likes the consistency he likes having the partnerships nothing's working and nothing will mm. work because um there's a combination of like Cork and Stevens haven't really got the legs uh Westwood is probably the best of the bunch but Brownhill has got the legs and doesn't really have the the quality has not really lived up to expectations stepping up from the championship um, and that's where we see I think as fans um, the main area of weakness within our team and why why we've, we've struggled this season. So do you think it's going to be more of an overhaul in terms of trying to get in a whole, a whole new unit um, that one has the legs you know maybe there can be a controller in there as well and there's um, a, more, a more creative player or if you had to pick one right now would you would you would you plug for that more um, a player who's got the vision? Um, prob- probably someone who could grab the game by by the scruff of the neck and have probably got the. Like, we're always on the podcast. We're always being up his Basuma, and I know he's right, okay. a, a different sort of player because he's at Brighton. He's obviously destined for bigger things unless he mm. messes up his personal life and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like, I think he had, had a bit of issues Absolutely. early in the season, but. Um, but you're thinking box to box then? Yes, more more that we're getting over overrun. Um, Cork and Westwood have managed to do a good job in there in the last couple of seasons, but Cork's legs seem to have gone. Uh, Westwood hasn't quite performed up to up to previous seasons' levels either. Um, yeah, ideally we want both. Um, well, well, we've had Stephen Defoe in the past. I've already mentioned him once, yeah. and having that quality in the centre of pitch obviously ended up as uh, we ended up finishing seventh one season. Um, and a lot of it came from um, well, a lot of the team, but he, he really did drive um, a lot of that quality. Uh, and with, since he's left, we haven't really had anything, anything like that. Mm. So it's just a shame that we haven't managed to... It's been a clear area of weakness for a while. We've not managed to strengthen, despite all the positivity that the new owners have, have brought and all the things that they're saying. We're I was going to say, actually... Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, if it had been... Um... It sounds like it's been an obvious area for for a while amongst sort of Burnley fans. Are, are you surprised that it hasn't been prioritised, or do you think that the club had, did have targets for that area that they've just not been able to get them in so far? Uh, there weren't really any strong links um, in January, in particular. The only one that we missed out on uh, that we were close to, I think, was Orsic uh, from Dynamo Zagreb, who did really well in Europe against West Ham and Tottenham recently, and that looked that deal looked pretty close and um, Alan Pace, our chairman, were over in Croatia to like get it all all sorted and um, apparently the player had a change of heart last minute um, and that were a big blow to us like a week before the end of the transfer window and everything after that point went relatively quiet and it didn't seem like we were in for, uh, for anyone else and we, other than we were linked with uh, Fafana. Um, earlier in the window, powerful centre midfielder, but one of the best players in France this season. So it always, always seemed like a bit of an unlikely link, to be honest. Um, but I think you struggle when in the January window is tough for any team. But when you sat bottom of the table, um, I think yeah. it, at Burnley as well, we're not exactly the most fashionable uh, club in the world. To try and attract someone that is going to improve us and is going to be that driving force is, is probably well, more difficult than it would have been if we'd have addre- addressed the problem in the summer. Yeah, no, it makes complete sense. And 
it's probably going to be a lot, a lot of long-term planning to try and find the right target as well. Um, I wanted to talk just a, just just briefly around um, how the side was affected by um, by COVID at, at one point as well. I mean, each each side's had outbreaks at different times. It feels like um, and players are suddenly missing, um, and um, of course there was that weird part of the year where the rules were so incredibly uh, vague and inconsistent about who could play. What was the limit of plays you had to have? Um, at some stages, it was like, oh, if you've got injuries, that's okay. Uh, it, was, it was a very strange mm. um, period. Um, how badly did, did that affect the side as well? Uh, I think it was were, it were very it were a bit strange for us, and we've ended up being like the worst affected teams in um, in terms of games postponed. Uh, but I think it was bad timing, really. We um, it were Everton and um, and Aston Villa call games off against us when we had a fully fit squad and ready right, to go. Yeah. Uh, and at that point, uh, I think Everton were one of the ones that were were more injuries than COVID, which were very frustrating. Um, and Watford did it to us as well. Two two hours, two or three hours before kickoff, we're on the way to the game. Um, and then we had the Spurs one that were called off because of snow. But um, very frustrating at that point. Um, and I think it was more that we didn't have the visibility of the actual black and white rules and it just seemed case by case and really inconsistent so if you if you're asking me obviously we'd rather played Watford when they were when they had COVID issues we'd rather played Everton at the point where they had all them injuries and um and it was all all before the January transfer under as well and especially Villa look at the Villa game at that point they had a few out with COVID again we don't know who but now we're going to be playing Villa who will be a Full full strength with Coutinho and all the mm. players back. Um, you from a very Burnley and a very selfish point of view, you were thinking there weren't many other postponements at that point in time. Are they calling games off because nine nine times out of ten they'd back themselves to beat Burnley? With these few players out, there's more of a chance that Burnley and we were fully fit, more of a chance of dropping points, and the the better off postponing it for a few weeks and. Uh, yeah. And then they back themselves to beat us again, but then obviously the rules were reversed after that, and we um, and we got struck down over over Christmas and um, and had to call off the Watford game for the second time after they'd call it off the first time, and then Leicester as well uh, very quickly after that. Um, but I think it's a we've got a small squad anyway, so it didn't really take much. And then when you look at our um, Bench since we we had five defenders and two goalkeepers uh, last week against um, against Watford uh, against United we were really threadbare. I think we only had Dale Stevens on the bench who, who were a senior player. I don't think we're we're trying to play take advantage of it, but again I might be looking at that through claret and blue spectacles. I don't know. It's it's really tough, but I just wish they'd have been more transparent with it. I think, yeah, I, I think that's the right word to be honest, isn't it? I think that just at, at some stages there was such a lack of transparency. You really had no idea what was going on, to be honest, um, mm. and sort of what the criteria was to get games called off. And of course, I'm sure plenty, plenty will go back to the North London derby that didn't take place uh, for some yeah. some alleged reasons. Um, although I'd probably ask something to worry a little bit more about the red card situation at the moment. Well, yeah, all the red cards and the um, they kept loading players out. They're having games. Yeah, they're loading. <laughs> Just like selling players on left, right, and centre, I couldn't, I, I couldn't fathom it out. To be honest, it you can't, you really can't lose close. a game if you loan players out and uh, are unable and, to yeah. field the team. Yeah, it was, a, it was a strange one. Um, 
One thing I think that I, every single time um, I speak to Burnley um, fans at, at this stage of the season, to be honest, um, if not a little bit later, um, I always ask this question, not because I think there should be um, necessarily people being uh, overly sort of critical or scrutinizing him, but I'm just interested in the perception, really. At any point during these struggles, has there has there been any scrutiny amongst the fan base, you think, towards towards Daesh? Or do you think just, just because the amount of, of good faith that he has from the from the success that he's managed to um, achieve at the club and, and how many times he's gotten through these difficult situations that people do just you know sort of back him to to figure it out yeah um obviously when he came in we were mid to mid to lower end of the championship um no money and he's yeah he's worked miracles since um i've sort of gone up come back down kept faith gone back up as champions and then since since 2016 uh, yeah, he's, he's worked miracles to keep keepers where um, well keepers up every year and two top half finishes within that as well. Um, Absolutely, it, it's um, yeah, it's not beyond criticism. I think sometimes it can be inflexible with um, with tactics and with um, like with with players as well. Uh, it, see, it does seem to have some favourites and like. People really wanted some players to have a more of a chance in the team, like Vidra. Um, but at the end of the day, I think there is there is a trust there, um, and I think he's earned that. And I don't I don't think any bird. Well, there's not been any noise as far as I can see. Yeah. Even with the real poor form over a real over a sustained period now, um, that um, that he's the major factor. I think a lot does a lot of stick goes to the um, the previous owners. Who did a great job in getting us to where we were, uh, in getting us up from the championship? But the level in, of investment, they just couldn't couldn't keep up with the Premier League demands, mm-hmm. um, and it, it showed after a while. But that, I think, that's the major major reason. Um, yeah, I don't think there's really any pressure on Daesh. And I, to be honest, even if we went down, I don't think there'd be many Burnley fans that would want anyone else at the helm. Um, obviously, he might decide that he no longer wants to. Um, to be our manager, but um, I don't think there's many Burnley fans who'd want him out of the door, even if we were relegated. Yeah, no, that was the impression I got. To be honest, that it's yeah, it's it's been a hard earned, hard earned trust from from Dyche, and um, I, yeah, I, I had had grumblings over um, a few seasons around some of the tactical, uh, yeah, um, lack of flexibility on, on occasion. Yeah, no, something I want to come on to when we talk about sort of some of the players who come in um, in the transfer market more recently and some of the. Pro- yeah, the, the profile that they they have, um, as well as some of the the younger players who are coming into the team. You mentioned a couple of them already, and I'm, I'm even thinking of the likes of McNeil, who's been in the team for a number of seasons now. Um, and you know, maybe even if it's unfairly, he, he I, I think you look at a player like him and sort of his ability, and, and then people's perception of, of of Burnley and how they've played and how they will play. I, I, I think it's an interesting discussion because I think maybe there's going to be. Um, it's going to be a little bit of an evolution here. Um, what I wanted to ask uh, next, actually, was your opinion and fans' opinion on on, on everything that happened with Chris Wood um, and the, uh, and his departure um, and the way in which it happened. You know, sort of leaving for for Newcastle, obviously, with that release clause being activated. Um, I'm guessing the sort of the legacy, if you will, slightly damaged. Um, I think Chris Wood's been um, quite a divisive figure amongst fans from from the off. Um, I've always a big 
been a big fan of his. Um, a player that can score ten plus goals uh, a season for a team like Burnley. Did it for us four consecutive seasons. Is priceless for me. Yeah, he went through um, he went through spells where um, he didn't. He wasn't playing well, and he wasn't finding the net. And at that at those points, he took a lot of criticism because he doesn't add much else to uh, don't have much else to his game other than if a chance falls to him in the box, he's he's more than likely to score. Right. Um, and yeah, he worked hard. All the team work hard. Uh, but in terms of quality, he wasn't going to create much for other people. But he was always there and always, always reliable to uh, to finish off our chances. Um, so for me, he was invaluable and um, and one of the first names on the team sheet. Um, to lose him in the way we did um, at the time that we did was a devastating blow. I think we we went into the window knowing we needed to strengthen, um, especially with what Newcastle were going to do. Um, you talked earlier about like we pick, kept picking up draws and like just kind of slowly gaining points, and which is never great. But um, there were always Watford, Norwich, Newcastle who were doing very similar to us, and we've never really been out of uh, like out of touch with with any of them. Um, and you're in danger with the investment Newcastle had. We really, really needed to strengthen to be able to um, to give ourselves any any real chance, and then t- for them to come in. Activate a release clause that um, that none of us uh, were even aware of, um, and obviously for him to go to one of our rivals, massive blow. I understand it from his point of view. Um, it's twenty nine, thirty, something like that. He's not going to get this opportunity again to go um, play in front of fifty, sixty thousand at a team where he obviously he's got more belief that they'll stay up than we do. Um, and yeah, big money move for him and. Um, to a bigger club side there's a lot of Burnley fans who will be bitter no doubt he'll get loads of stick when he comes back um, but he's our record Premier League goal scorer um, and it was really good for us over over a, uh, a long amount of time so yeah, I'm bitterly disappointed to lose him I think we've done alright in well it looks early stage like we've done alright in replacing him uh, Vegas looks um like looking at his goal record from the Bundesliga as second top scorer behind Lewandowski over the last three or four seasons. Um like one in one in two man. Obviously you don't expect him to score at that rate in the Premier League. Um but if uh, if he, he can add if he can match Wood's goals, uh, looks like he's got more about him, well, a lot more about him in terms of um what he can do with his feet and his build up play. Um hopefully that that will be an improvement, but it's just the fact that we didn't add anything else on top of that. Um, yeah. We basically come out of the window in the same place we started it, and Newcastle are obviously a lot, lot stronger. So that's 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 the biggest uh, biggest disappointment, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, you, you bring us on to Vekost, obviously. I, 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 probably easier to speak about him and and Cornet actually in terms of sort of two two recent signings obviously Vekos has only just arrived and had a great impact versus United that would definitely love to hear your thoughts on in terms of him looking like he's got more of an all-rounded game but um in terms of those two as a pair then I suppose um and then focusing on corner because you mentioned he has been a real bright spot in an otherwise quite tough season um yeah what have you made of them um especially corner of course and um yeah how has he um, sort of functioned for for the side? What's his main role been? Because I think I think that's shifted recently as well, hasn't it? 
Yeah, so when we brought him in, obviously everyone knew him as um, as left wing back or left winger for for what he'd done for Leon. Um, but I think we Dice recognised quite quickly that um, that he could fit in um, further up the pitch for us, and he had the quality um, above what what we we had in the squad. And the biggest, the best way to get get uh, a good impact out of him was to put him uh, up top. And it's yeah, it's worked. It worked a treat for especially the first half of the season. Um, I don't think you can rely keep relying on him scoring the goals that he's scored because I think four or five of them have been absolute wonder strikes. Like yeah, he's obviously got the quality, but he's not gonna. You can't rely on him consistently scoring volleys from yeah. uh, from here, there, and everywhere. That'd so, amazing. Um, but he's been a, a breath of fresh air from the off. Obviously, you were you wonder we've we've had. Quite a limited um, like net in terms of where we've where we've brought transfers in from before, um, and obviously the the squads predominantly British and Irish. Um, you wonder how someone from Europe is going to fit into that, and he's just come in with a really positive attitude straight away. There were um, a Carabao Cup game at home to Rochdale on a Tuesday night. Um, eight or nine thousand fans there, and he were like geeing the fans up when we got a corner and stuff like. You're just thinking, flipping heck, does it? <laughs> what's going on here? We don't normally see this um, level of enthusiasm when we're playing a derby game. Never mind uh, Carabao Cup game on a Tuesday night against um, against fourth tier opposition. But no, he's just you, all his Instagram posts, all all of his social media. It's all positive. It's all. Um, he seems to be really enjoying it, and the fans love him from the off. The fans loved him. Obviously, it helps that he, he came in and and like started uh, like a house on fire with, with his goals. Um, the only disappointment really is that we've had it's been a bit hit and miss, and you couldn't really. He's not really built any momentum because he's been a bit in and out with injuries. He had hamstring, thigh, and then obviously African Cup of Nations. Although we only played one game while we were we were away, um, which is probably a good thing at the end of the day. But you've not had that. I've not seen him after four or five games of um, of performance. So hopefully he can stay fit um, for the rest of the season, and we can see what what we get out of him. Um, I think the role has changed slightly more recently, um, just because got Goodmanson out injured. Um, so he started off in um, in a similar role than he has been playing number ten, like well, or alongside Wedgost against Watford. Um, but we changed it up. Second half brought uh, Jay Rodriguez on, and the whole team seemed to lift. Moved Corney out to the left, uh, more of his role from previous seasons. And we had a much brighter last twenty minutes against Watford than we'd we'd been pretty dire the, um, for most of the game before that. Uh, so I'm really happy that uh, he started with that again against United on um, on Tuesday. And first mm. half wasn't good to be honest. It really didn't. Uh, we were lucky to go in one nil down, um, but he—he's—you could tell he's not fully fit. I think from what Daesh said while he's been away, they've not done um, like he's looked at all his uh, his training, like and all his fitness levels and all that sort of stuff. And he basically looks like he's been on holiday for four or five weeks. Um, so and he, he had to come off. We um, he's, he said afterwards it were bad cramps after about seventy minutes against United. Um, so it shows the importance. Normally, Dash is very, very cautious with injuries and stuff, but the fact that he's tried to play him for as long as possible in those two games just shows how important he is to, to what we need to do. And mm. at the more short term, 
J-Rod and Vegos looked like they've hit it off quite well, especially that second half against United. Um, so for the short term, I can see him carrying on on, on the left-hand side, but um, it's just whether we've got to react. It's good to have some level of flexibility, to be honest. So uh, we'll see how it goes as yeah. the season progresses. And, and given how... I heard what you said about the first half, but yeah, given sort of how encouraging the second half ended up being against United, um, I was surprised by how attacking Dice went actually. But I think, yeah, when you're trying to be more creative and, and you've got somebody like Redhorse who you think is going to be able to to bring others into play a little bit more, and you mentioned there looks like a, there's the beginnings of a nice little relationship between him and, and Jay Rodriguez as well. Do you think that will change the way in which Dice was thinking about approaching the, um, the game? Uh, at the weekend, um, given that positive sort of cameo performance, I guess, and um, the, the other options that aren't really available to you at the moment, do you think that's going to affect how he how he approaches that game, and how do you expect him to approach the game? Sort of, especially also knowing, of course, the threats that Liverpool have at the moment. I think actually it's one of these rare times where um, I, I think this is the the most fit the squad the squad has ever been. I'm not sure uh, that Klopp has ever had this many options um, and maybe that'll pose some of his own problems but um, yeah it feels like a real luxury of riches at the moment but, but yeah how do you how do you feel he's, he's going to plan to uh, to approach this one? Uh, I think it took it took a lot of us by surprise so it definitely took me by surprise the second half against United because uh, too often against um, against the top sides at home we really haven't laid a glove on, on teams um, yeah we, we try and keep it tight but we've, we've we barely even have shots on target, never mind score goals. Uh, so it were really, it, it were really good to see us actually go out and really give it a good go. Um, second half against United, but again, we were one nil down, um, and I don't know whether as well uh, the situation we're in now. We've kind of got to treat games as every game's a cup final. Um, I said on our um, on our podcast last night that. Um, like the Brighton game the week after this is a massive game for us because although they're doing well, um, like it's a team that we should be able to match up against and, and we've come out on top against before. Um, but Tom, another lad on the podcast, came back and said, we need every single game. Like I said, anything, anything we get from Liverpool is a bonus. And he said, no, we need a big win from somewhere, a massive win against a big team to really kick us off and take, like, take us three points further up the table where we didn't expect to be and really start to get something going. Um, and I think he's got a really good point, to be honest, because we, we we're desperate. Um, so we can we can go into it. And it, goal difference isn't an issue for us. We're miles better goal difference than all the teams down there. Why not give it a go? Uh, but I am, on the other side, thinking our best chance of winning a game against um, Liverpool is to somehow keep it tight and then and nick a goal from somewhere so I, I can't see us approaching it too differently as we norm, than we normally do um, but I, I was surprised on Tuesday hopefully I'll be surprised again I think if you go toe-to-toe with these big teams especially like and I think Liverpool and Manchester City and sometimes Chelsea uh, are a level above um, Man United at this point in time uh, no matter what Man United fans would like to think they're, they're not on the same level um, at all at the moment, so it'll be a different, um, different challenge again uh, come Sunday, and uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be really really tough if we open up against Liverpool. 
he could he could be any score. Um, yeah, no, no. I think it's. I think you're onto something there in terms of sort of try, try, trying to be. Even though I'm sure it does go against quite a lot of what Dice sort of uses as his foundations, but trying to be a bit more expansive, take more risks against those sides, like you mentioned, Brights and some of those other teams where you think you should be picking up points. Um, mm. Not to say that that won't happen this weekend, but yeah, I think the the one thing I would definitely say, and it's it's it's, it's not you don't have to be a scientist. To know it's um yeah just just don't give space to Liverpool. <laughs> I think it's 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 the one thing, especially with um yeah the, the addition of this uh, Luis Diaz who looked ridiculously settled yesterday, which was very strange for somebody who doesn't speak an ounce of English um, and has just arrived from uh, Colombia. <laughs> it was it was it was kind of weird how involved he was on his debut, um, which is um, encouraging, of course. Um, but no, yeah, I think it's especially how uh, you know, Burnley got that win at Anfield as well. Yes, Liverpool were going through a, a rough patch and players were missing, but that is a that is a blueprint that we have seen really frustrate Liverpool um, over many uh, over many seasons, to be honest. Um, and if that little bit of genius um, doesn't materialise um, amongst Liverpool's attack, then very often you, you can still see that frustration creep in. So I think it's, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one as well because I imagine... Um, that the atmosphere is going to be pretty good for for this game as well. Um, given what you said is around, you know, there's nothing to lose here. May as well try and be combative and and see what it brings you. Um, just the last couple of questions, then before we wrap up, first one, I think I might know your answer to this given some recent results. Um, what's your favourite memory from this fixture <laughs> in the past? Um, and um, then also just the, one other question. Um, I know there's a lot of players um, that you might pick here, but which player from um, uh, Liverpool's side, if you could drop him into to Burnley's side uh, tomorrow, which one would you pick? Uh, so first off, then the um, the the previous match. Um, I think in terms of um, like the most magic moment was um, probably not well, not all for Liverpool, but the uh, the Jimmy Traore own goal in the FA Cup. All oh, right. Um, <laughs> In two thousand and five, because um, we were really like we were really struggling on numbers and low down in the championship that season, um, and I think we just sold um, Akinbaye or Blake, one of them, and we were really struggling for firepower. No idea how there was just no not much enthusiasm around the place, um, and that really just lifted everyone. And obviously, you went on to be European champions that season. So to say that we'd um, we'd beaten the European champions on. Uh, yeah, uh, on on Perth that that year were were pretty special, but uh, more recently, um, the home win in uh, 2016, uh, where I think we had 20 percent possession. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I remember uh, that game. God, yeah. And uh, Graham Vaught, um scored the goals, and then we just def- did never really ripped us apart. There were a lot of great play between, like in the middle third by Liverpool, but when they got yeah. to the edge of the box, we. Uh, like the struggle for any any cutting edge. Obviously, I think that were really early days of uh, of Klopp. It so was. We were, yeah. we were just just building then, but that that was a massive win and gave everyone such relief after we'd um, we'd gone down and come back up again. Uh, we'd lost our first game of the season against Swansea the week before, and you're kind of thinking, oh, we've like here we go again. And that just gave everyone such a lift. And uh, obviously, we've had a great um, five or six years since. So. Yeah, that's that's mm. the one for me. And in terms of, um, I think that result. Just to let you know, I think the, 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 there's guys on this uh, 
channel who are much more focused around the stats side of the game. And, and, and I think they, they always go back to that game, actually, because I, I think it's one of those quirks where, as you say, I think if you were looking purely on paper, you'd go, my God, they've dominated this game. <laughs> and then, um, j- 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 to your point, just couldn't create anything at actually genuinely cutting edge in the final third. Um, and then, yeah, you get that get that huge win. So, no, I think that that's one that definitely I remember very well as well. But, yeah, sorry, you, you say if you could... If you could drop one player into your team at the moment, uh, it'd have to be more, wouldn't it? Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, even though, well, I suppose I've just said about centre midfield, but um, um, more was just uh, Ed and Shaw. I think he's been the best player in the world in the last um, last couple of years. His numbers are ridiculous. Um, obviously, we've got Connie and McNeil who can play on the left and um, probably struggling on the right hand side of it, so he can uh, he can cut in and score his thirty goals, and that'd be. Uh, that would be fantastic, but yeah, you can exactly. pick anyone from Liverpool's team. They're all, um, the yeah, just a brilliant side. And when they're firing on all cylinders, they yeah, they were the best in in the Europe and um, in the world, are they? So it's uh, good to be going head to head against uh, against some of the best teams, and hopefully we can compete this weekend. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I only ask just because it's 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 sometimes interesting to see which players um, fans of other teams highlight because yeah, it's. Very often they pick sort of players that don't usually get all the acclaim week in week out. Actually, so it's, it's been interesting seeing some people pick Fab and and um, a couple other right. other midfielders yeah. as well. But um, yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I, I can't Henderson, really. Yeah, they'd probably make a bigger dif- they, they would make a massive difference, but yeah. um, Mo- yeah, most just, I can't ignore. I can't ignore. <laughs> I can't ignore more. No, I think you're. I think you're right, especially this um, this new um, incredibly almost feral version of Salah actually that's come back from AFCON after the, the disappointment looked incredibly annoyed uh, yesterday in every touch. Um, uh, so that's going to be interesting to see how that spurs him on for the season. I think, I think I've seen some photos today of Mane um, arriving back into training. So that's going to be an interesting uh, couple of chats, I'm sure. But anyway, Adam, yeah, I just want to thank you again for coming on to the pod and um, sharing your insight into how Burnley's season has gone so far. Some of the issues around, you know, the struggles in producing sort of goals and, and and things like that, along with the new signings and joining and hopefully how they're going to help you kick on. So yeah, certainly wish you the best of luck for, for the rest of the season. Um, but before you go, did you want to give a plug to, to, to no, Nay never just so we are um, aware of the podcast. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, it's been going uh, quite a few years. I'm a, I'm a recent addition. I were always a, a listener in the past um, and mm-hmm. got involved in, um, in some of the um, the competitions that they ran, uh, and got asked to to join the analysis side of it. Um, was it a January signing? Or? I loved it. Uh, no, no. Uh, some summer recruit. Summer I recruit. Won, uh, uh, I won um, a quiz that they did during the summer that uh, they called Portmaster. There you go. Uh, obviously, yeah. a link of Nick Pope and the uh, Radio Two Show Portmaster. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Um, loved being part of the team. Um, mm-hmm. They have obviously a preview show and a um, and the analysis show every week. And Dave Roberts, um, like you said, you've got some stats guys on um, on on your team. He's absolutely brilliant. Knows everything you could possibly know, and we're, we're using way too much as as a team to try and uh, prove a point or uh, or disprove a point. Mm. Uh, Natalie holds it all together. Great presenter. Uh, been well, she's already going on uh, Sky and BBC and all sorts, so watch out for her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, really, really 
we it's a really positive um positive podcast even even though we're um we're in some tough times at the moment so um yeah i love being part of it and uh, thanks a lot for having me on again um great to be able to talk to you about um about the good sides of burnley rather than just uh some of, no, the, of um, the things that um are talked about us in the media so no thanks a lot for having me on no, absolutely. Yeah, and definitely encourage everyone to check out No, No, Never as well. Um, I'm, I'm sure listeners will be aware. Um, with Natalie, having come on the podcast many times beforehand. Yeah, it's a great, great podcast to check out if if you want to learn more about Burnley. And as Adam says there, sort of, yeah, get more of an inside track rather than always relying on sort of maybe what you hear around them um, in, in sort of the mainstream media, certainly. So, uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on. Uh, and to all those who, who are listening in, speaking with you all again soon on the next episode of Rival Recon uh, here on Anfield Index Pro. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.